Welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. The music is courtesy of country legend Bobby Mackey, who I will have the pleasure of meeting next week in person. Can you believe this is the 19th episode? Time so flies by. You've heard me go on about Tombstone, which has become one of my favorite places ever, but Long before I went to the town that's too tough to die, I've been going to my number one place, New Orleans, NOLA, the Big Easy, the Crescent City. I've been going to Lady NOLA since age 11. It was love at first sight, not gonna lie. The people were so friendly and definitely showing the Southern hospitality their sweet southern accents, so sweet you can almost envision the molasses dripping off it. The food, so fresh, so decadent, so tasty that I've often dreamt of it in many nights. The culture, the history, God, don't even get me started. Every step you take, there's a story, a myth, a tall tale, some historic event that has taken place from the bayou as the French Quarter the plantations, and so much more. My namesake, Tess, and her husband are from the Big Easy. And as a child, I have spent many summers with them. First as a child, going to kiddo-appropriate places like the Audubon Zoo and falling in love with its albino alligators and feeding marshmallows to the gators on the swamp tours and grabbing a snow cone at every single stand we passed by. Then, as I got older, we went to the plantations, and once I was taken to the cemeteries, lovingly known as the Cities of the Dead, the name coming from Samuel Clemens, better known by his pen name, Mark Twain, the first time I stepped foot into one of the several cemeteries, I knew I was hooked. As a kid, looking at these crypts, these vaults, and the mausoleums, They were wonderful, gigantic, some as big as homes. Being a fan of burial grounds my my whole life, this was a dream come true. Leaning against the wall outside, not knowing that there were bodies in the cemetery wall itself, I couldn't get over the fact that I was finally here. In the cities of the dead, and as that young teen, I was utterly comfortable and humbly content. I want to talk about some of my favorite cemeteries in this wonderful city, but before I do this, I want to dig into some of the rich history about burial rituals here and so on. Between 1817 and 1905, over 41,000 people died when yellow fever came barreling through. 7,849 people died alone in 1853. As a child, I remember my dear namesake telling me how so many people died that as they were being buried, bells would be put in their hands or attached to their toes. 
You see, not all the people were dead. Some were in a coma. Some were saved. Others were heard after burial, but were thought to be ghosts. Kind of defeats the bell purpose, if I do say so myself. I often pay my respects to the people who fell victim to the deadly yellow fever disease while I find myself in the Big Easy, as a lot of the headstones will say, died by yellow fever. New Orleans is such a special place. You can't go there and not go to one of its gorgeous cemeteries. In New Orleans, bodies are usually placed inside the walls of the tomb. Thanks to the subtropical climate, the tomb becomes an oven, if you will. The high heat causing the body to decompose rapidly, being compared to a slow cremation. Any guesses? On how long this process takes. Any guesses? I'll wait. One year and one day. So what if Uncle John Doe dies and is put in the tomb on February 1st? And then his sister, Jane Doe, dies October 1st. Well, John isn't quite done yet, so they bury Jane in the cemetery wall until February 2nd comes when John is good and done and basically just bones. He is then respectfully swept into a bag and put in the opening that leads to the floor of the tomb where there's probably other bags of past family members. Then Jane gets to be moved from the wall to the tomb. When you go to New Orleans, many of the burial grounds you see are above ground burials. They learned this the hard way long ago that when hurricanes and flooding and so on, Mother Nature comes forth showing its ugly head at times, they often see caskets and coffins emerging and floating around. It's almost like something that you would see, I don't know, in like a scary movie. The floating coffin. I told my namesake that I was doing a Cities of the Dead episode, and she mentioned that I really should include the second line. Being from there, she is very familiar with all the traditions. Her and her husband were dear friends of Pete Fountain, in fact, and went to his funeral and his second line. So I asked her if she could email me just like a little bit about second lines, and this is what she sent me. Quote, A second line is a parade of people following a brass band and a main party of people who are leading the parade. The second liners dance and celebrate to the joy of the moment. They twirl umbrellas and wave handkerchiefs, also known as doodah rags, as they honor life events. In New Orleans, a second line can form for a funeral, a wedding, or just for parading, unquote. So big shout out to Tess for sending that. Thank you so much. And speaking of weddings, I got to witness a beautiful wedding celebration second line coming down Bourbon Street a few years back. Justin and I were there eating and having a few refreshments when we heard beautiful music and people chanting and clapping and dancing. So we ran outside to watch the festivities and I was able to catch it on film. And the bride was smiling ear to ear. 
just gorgeous as ever. And a handsome groom, they were holding hands and happily and joyfully just dancing down the street as the wedding party filled with family and friends followed, dancing in pursuit. I, <laughs> I sometimes think of this couple and can still envision them dancing down Bourbon Street. Cemeteries. Cities of the dead. You walk in and you are literally in a city, you guys, inhabited by the dead. One of my favorite cemeteries, number one on the list, is St. Rock's Cemetery, number one. It's actually, believe it or not, one of the least visited. But it's so phenomenal and beautiful that it's truly your loss if you're in New Orleans and don't make it a point to visit St. Rock's Cemetery, number one. Located on the outskirts of the good old FQ, that's the French Quarter, my friends, St. Rock was founded in 1874 by a German reverend. It was during the time of one of New Orleans' very unfortunate yellow fever outbreaks. St. Rock was born around 1348. He ministered to plague victims and had saved many lives. Well, he himself actually contracted the Black Death in Italy, and he was banished from the parish. And FYI, the Black Death, also known as the Great Plague, was one of the most deadly and devastating pandemics in human history, resulting in millions of deaths, anywhere from 75 to a whopping 200 million through Eurasia and Europe from 1347 to 1351. It's estimated to have killed off 30 to 60% of Europe's population, taking 200 years for the world population to recover to its previous level. So rightfully so, St. Rock was mortified and terrified. He went into hiding in a nearby forest, and it is said that a local man's dog came on a regular basis to visit St. Rock, deep in the forest. According to legend, the dog licked St. Rock's wounds and healed him in the process of doing so. Now, I love dogs. I'm not one for dog kisses and slobber, but hey, if it's going to save a life, I'm all for it. The patron saint of protection from epidemics, St. Rock, was prayed to and was asked to please protect the people of New Orleans during this horrific epidemic. And guess what? Nobody from the Reverend's Church died from yellow fever. And as mentioned earlier, the yellow fever numbers were excruciatingly high. I mean, what a miracle indeed, right? So this is when he founded the cemetery. He considered it part of his promise to St. Rock. He also promised that if the saint of protection of epidemics kept his people safe, that he would build a chapel dedicated to St. Rock. That is exactly what he did, you guys. You can still see and check out this gorgeous chapel today, nestled on the grounds of St. Rock. Such an extraordinary and beautiful site. This historic chapel is unique <laughs> and none like it. Truly one of a kind and bizarre, it houses a variety of prosthetics, uh, crutches, and so on. For well over a century, devoted visitors have been leaving these symbols and tokens. Why do they do this, you must ask? 
Well, they do this as a token of appreciation, prayer, and gratitude for a cure to their own ailments. Google image it, you guys. It looks like a scene out of one of my favorite TV shows, Dexter. Locks of hair are nailed to the wall, glass eyes looking at you through a glass box, leg braces hanging from the wall, replicas of organs and appendages along with fake teeth sit on the shelves. A old statue of St. Lucia, St. Lucy, patron saint of the blind, is present, and she holds a platter that contains two eyes. Bricks are inscribed with merci and thanks, with a thick layer of coins. To me, it's shocking that it's not visited more. I mean, truly, I, I truly enjoyed this special location, and am anxious and excited to go back this cemetery doesn't lack in size or in ghost tales. Long ago, it's been believed to be severely haunted. For over a century, there have been haunted happenings occurring here at State Rock Number 1. One of the most well-known hauntings here has to do with a large black dog. He wanders through the cemetery and has been seen by several people. When followed, he vanishes before the shocked person's very eyes. Another resident spirit is a man dressed in a black robe with the hood over his head. Like the pooch, this spirit has been seen on many occasions and has been seen to walk right through the cemetery walls. Truly a unique place and worth seeing if you're in New Orleans. The next cemetery that I really want to touch down on is another favorite, Lafayette Cemetery Number 1, and it happens to be this week's episode's cover picture that I took two years ago, so check it out. It was on that day that we were going to several cemeteries. We were cemetery hopping, if you will. We, you know, hit up some in the Lacombe area, beautiful area, and then all over New Orleans. So Tess and my boyfriend, Justin, and myself, we were just kind of going to all these places. Not many call me Tessa. I mean, some do, but it's usually just like Tess and include my boyfriend. He'll call me Tess or some who don't know my name or think they do will call me Tesla. So as in Nicola. <laughs> so that one day when he would address me, it was as usual, Tess. Well, both Tess and I would turn around and say, what? So he joked around saying, hey, I'm going to start calling you Nicola. And I'm just like, you know, that's going to be unsuccessful because I'm not going to answer to that. That's not even close to my name. Well, I happened to be going live on Twitter at Lafayette later that day so people could enjoy the beauty that I was fully enjoying it. So I turn around to find my namesake and my boyfriend gone. I found myself to be utterly alone. So I finish my video and get interrupted by a phone call. Well, it's Justin letting me know where he is. So I start to make my way towards him and he has in his possession my ovulus, a sweet gift for my amazing family. Well, you see, he's a hardened skeptic. So when he showed interest in one of my tools, I was very happy enough to let him play around with it. So as I walk to where he is and I walk into view and he stands there, 
he has a shocked look on his face. And I ask him, hey, what's wrong, you know? And he says that as soon as I walked onto the path and that he could see me, the ovulus blurted out, Tesla. It was a very cool moment indeed, even for the hardened skeptic, which to this day remains a hardened skeptic, but still very cool nonetheless, right? So Lafayette Cemetery number one, okay? It's a very sweet historical cemetery right in the Garden District neighborhood. And the Garden District is worth checking out too. I mean, the Manning family live there and Sandra Bullock and John Goodman and just, uh, just a gorgeous location to check out. And uh, the cemetery was founded in 1833 and burials still take place here to this very day. Back when it opened, the area was still considered a part of Lafayette, hence why it's named after it. Well, in 2006, when deadly Hurricane Katrina came barreling through trying to destroy New Orleans, she damaged much of this gorgeous cemetery. But thanks to Save Our Cemeteries, a nonprofit, they focused on saving, restoring, and preserving Louisiana's precious cities of the dead. They continue to preserve and restore cemeteries in New Orleans. And I mean, good for them. How special is that? You know, if I if I lived in New Orleans, I would definitely be part of that, helping that for sure. Uh, records have long since been destroyed or lost. It has been reported, though, that 21,889 people are laid to rest on these grounds. And the number just keeps growing, obviously. 14,000 names have been tallied there. Whatever the number, it's huge like thousands. Throughout the 19th century, many Germans called this area home, and many are buried here on these grounds. It's the first cemetery where non-Catholics were allowed to be buried and contains over 26 nationalities. I mean, how impressive is that? Lafayette Cemetery, number one, doesn't, doesn't lack in architecture. With its impressive amount of coping tombs, the internment chambers, society tombs, crypts, and mausoleums. Speaking of society tombs, it's a nice variety they house here, including the independent order of odd fellows whose purpose is, quote, visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan, unquote. Can't forget the New Orleans Home for Incurables Society tomb, usually gravely ill and forgotten by their own family members and blood. This was a way to ensure that they had a resting place and can finally, hopefully, be at peace. Then you have the Society for the Relief of Destitute Orphan Boys, many who died due to yellow fever. And my favorite resides there, the Jefferson Fire Company, number 22 the tomb that inspired author Anne Rice when she was writing the novel Interview with the Vampire calls Lafayette Cemetery home as well. There are plenty of family tombs here, several chambers high. It contains several of generations of one family, uh, one person per vault, together forever. It's quite remarkable and beautiful, if I do say so myself. What happens if one of the family dies, but there's no room, all the vaults are being occupied? When all the chambers are full, the cemetery workers remove the person who has been there the longest and pass the remains, usually dust and bones, down into the chamber beneath the tomb called a cavo. So similar to what was mentioned earlier. 
walking in Lafayette, there are many funerary symbols. For instance, if you see like a broken flower, this represents the end of life. A lamb, of course, most of us know this means a child is resting here. Literally a city. It's easy to find oneself lost in these massive cemeteries. Lafayette Cemetery Number 1 is the most filmed cemetery in New Orleans. You may have seen it on the TV series NCIS New Orleans. And one of my favorite movies filmed there, cemetery scene there, Double Jeopardy, and also Interview with a Vampire, and so on. One cannot talk about New Orleans cemeteries and not mention St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. In 1788, the city was being redesigned after a fire came through, devastating the Crescent City. While doing so, they replaced the city's oldest cemetery, St. Peter's Cemetery, and opened St. Louis Number 1. Altogether, there are three St. Louis cemeteries. Numero uno, dos, and tres. So, in the middle of it all stands tall and proud a pyramid. A little out of place, but not too outrageous. It is New Orleans, by the way. Gotta love her. This pyramid is the future eternal resting place for someone who I watch countless times throughout my childhood and into my adulthood in one of my all-time favorite movies, Face Off, Mr. Nicolas Cage. Besides Nicolas Cage, this cemetery is home to several known people. Voodoo queen Marie Laveau is highly believed to be here. The murderous Delphine LaLaurie is also thought to be here. Her deadly tell is going to be for another time as it's worthy of sharing. Architects, aristocrats, politicians, pioneers, and many others are buried here. Spanning one square block, she may be smaller, but hey, what she lacks in size, she makes up in the burials as over 100,000 people are buried here in this one block, now oldest cemetery in NOLA. Sadly, in 2015, this old cemetery was closed to the public due to the extreme vandalism it fell victim to. I'm sorry, but I mean, some people are just so pathetic to go to a cemetery and vandalize. I mean, that's a sacred area. I mean, I wouldn't vandalize anything, but that's just me. I mean, no respect whatsoever. What is believed to be Marie Laveau's crypt was found to be painted this horrendous Pepto-Bismol pink on more than one occasion. Like, who does that? Seriously. But never fear if you find yourself in New Orleans and you want to go to this historic cemetery. People can book a tour and still go enjoy the serene beauty St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 has to offer. I know Bloody Mary has uh, tours and there's other city tours as well. St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 is considered to be one of the most haunted cemeteries in the United States, and with its existence of almost 300 years, it's no shocker that some spirits decide to roam these phenomenal hallowed grounds. Forever the voodoo practitioner of New Orleans, Marie Laveau's spirit has been seen here many of times. Born in 1801, she was respected and often feared as she practiced voodoo, the occult, fortune telling and other eccentric things for that time you know it's nothing new what people don't understand they fear from time to time always wearing her white and red turban curious onlookers and witnesses follow this turbaned voodoo beauty only for her to simply vanish before their very eyes <gasps> beware to those who disrespect her people have been pinched pushed and even thrown to the ground 
Others who've tried communicating with the voodoo queen have claimed to hear unexplained sounds and voices coming from within the very tomb itself, being touched and suddenly feeling very ill. Day and night, people have bore witness seeing spirits roaming these grounds. Some are thought to be yellow fever victims, while others are believed to be spirits of Civil War soldiers. Another resident's soul is that of Alphonse. He is known to walk up to a visitor and hold their hand, asking the unexpected to please help take him home, friendly and smiling in the process. People have seen him walk around the tombs and gather flowers from other, other people's crypts and then put them in front of his very own. It is widely believed that poor Alphonse might possibly have been murdered and the finger is pointed at someone in the Pinod family. For any time a visitor walks near or stops at the Pinod family tomb, Alphonse appears before them and warns them, like, hey, go the other way. Stay away from here. I mean, how sad is that? I'm hoping that someday that Alphonse's story can be told and solved once and for all. And if someone did murder him, Pinod or not, they are brought to justice, even if it is from beyond the grave. Then there's the heartbreaking tale of Henry Vinay, a sailor who was more a nomad than anything. No true home ever bore his name. Being the sailor, he was quite the traveler, sailing the rough seas. When he made it to New Orleans, a boarding house became his home. Well, one of his most precious and important items he had on him was his papers. Since he traveled often, and he was deathly worried that these papers would get lost in the midst of things, well, in his desperate times, he asked the owner of the boarding house that when he went on his next voyage, if she could keep his papers safe for him and keep the papers if he died. These papers were indeed very precious as they included Henry's family tombs. Very precious indeed. The owner happily agreed and told him he had nothing in the world to worry about. Your treasure is my treasure. Well, while Henry was out at sea, this woman, this monster, sold his family tomb. Upon finding out, this obviously upset Henry Vinay, and rightfully so. Treachery? <sighs> How dare this woman do such a thing to a man who had such little in life anyway? Well, poor Henry, he never was able to rectify this horrible problem. Shortly after this issue showed its ugly head, he fell ill and he died. Well, since he no longer had a family tomb, thanks to the dishonest, pathetic boarding house owner, Henry was buried in an unmarked grave. He's been seen lonely, wandering around St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. Buried well over a century ago, his soul remains restless. Such a heartbreaking thing. He has been seen by countless people. He's a tall man with piercing blue, gorgeous eyes. He looks so humanly that visitors have actually approached him to talk to him. He has been known to approach people visiting the cemetery, asking them if they know where the Vinay tomb is, for he is having issues finding himself. So, so sad. Even more so, he has attended funerals at the cemetery and walks up to the people, grieving, asking if there is room in the tomb for him. His apparition has been caught on video and photo. 
and paranormal investigators have even caught him via digital recorder, his EVP, saying something like, I need to rest. Something that may possibly never come for poor Henry Vinay. In New Orleans, on Metairie Road, stands the ever-so-beautiful Metairie Cemetery. Originally the grounds of a horse racing track in 1838, Racing was halted due to the American Civil War. It was used as a Confederate camp. I believe it was called Camp Moore. You see, the racetrack now turned cemetery was owned by the Metairie Jockey Club. And when a man named Charles Howard, who, by the way, gained his wealth by starting the first Louisiana State Lottery, who tried to get a membership there, for reasons unknown, he was turned down and refused. No. Offended by this, Charles vowed that the racetrack would turn into a cemetery, and soon after the Civil War ended, the track fell into hard times and went bankrupt. Howard lived to see his curse come true. He may have been rejected in life, but dear friends in death, he proudly calls this place his forever eternal home as he is buried on these grounds. Go give him a visit. He is located on Central Avenue. Or who knows, you may even bump into his spirit as he is believed to haunt these grounds. One creepy occurrence is people will hear disembodied sounds coming from within the tomb. Many neat monuments and funeral statues call the cemetery home. A fantastic looking pyramid. The former tomb of Storyville brothel Madame Josie Arlington. She began her life as a prostitute in 1881 opening up a brothel on Custom House Street. Her life was a really hard one. She had the brothel to support her family. Then, years after opening her brothel, her dear, dear brother was shot right before her eyes, making it a murder case because he died about 10 days later. Josie died in 1914, putting her at around 49, 50 years old. Her tomb, a gorgeous one and worth visiting and admiring in person, it's of a woman, a bronze statue, and legend has it that the statue itself has moved from its post several times and walks throughout the cemetery. Her gravesite has become quite the popular tourist attraction. I've been there myself. It is really a cool thing to check out, but this left her family distraught and not quite comfortable with the celebratorial fame that her, you know, that Josie has gotten. So... Her remains were removed, still buried in Metairie Cemetery, just not in that location anymore. The monument still stands proudly in its destined spot, but now holds the bodies of another family. Still cool to check out, though. And another worthy memorial to mention is that of Police Chief David Hennessy, whose brutal murder in 1890 caused quite a riot and several lynchings. A young det- Detective back then, Hennessy made major headlines when he captured notorious criminal Giuseppe Esposito. Promoted to superintendent and chief of police, he did much for the city of New Orleans and was loved by many and highly respected in the Crescent City. Well, unfortunately, one night in October of 1890, it was after a long day of work, Hennessy was walking home when he was confronted by several low lives and was shot by the gunmen. He died the following day. Demand was high in the city, who so respected the police chief. Eventually, 19 men were arrested in part of the heinous murder. 
And one day, the prison found itself to be surrounded by furious locals, and the doors were forced open, and 11 of the 19 men were taken and lynched. These lynchings are the largest known mass lynching in the United States history. Louisiana songwriter Fred Bessel published a best-selling song about the heroic Hennessy in 1891 titled the hennessy murder quote kind friends if you will list to me a sad story i'll relate tis the brave chief hennessy and how he met his fate on that quiet autumn evening when all nature seemed at rest this good man was shot to death may his soul rest with the blessed unquote His spirit has been seen by many throughout the years, always in uniform. It is thought he remains on duty to this day, keeping an eye out for vandalizing thugs and grave robbers. New Orleans is a lovely place, and I hold it dearly to my heart. I really do. I love the cemeteries, cities of the dead, the history. I'm a huge fan of cemeteries and often come and like to clean up trash when I go and You can always become a member for Save the Cemeteries, who I mentioned earlier in this episode. Founded in 1974, as mentioned earlier, they are dedicated to the preservation and protection of these historic present city cemeteries. Check it out, saveourcemeteries.org. Did you enjoy today's episode? Check out the others. They are equally phenomenal. Subscribe to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast on CastBox, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and oh, so many others. See you next week, sweethearts.